Welcome to episode number 296 of the Podcast. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening, I'm very appreciative of the fact that you're listening. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I'm going to cover the biggest news in sports. There is a lot to talk about, lots of baseball. The playoffs are among us. Some football, obviously, week three of the NFL season is almost over with the Monday Night Football matchup between the Chiefs and Ravens happening right now. I'm going to cover how accurate I was in my week three predictions. The NBA Finals matchup is set. But before I get into that, I want to thank Crimson IT for sponsoring today's podcast episode. If you or someone you know has a business that needs help with managed IT services, go to crimsonit.com. And if you tell them that you found found their service from listening to my show, they'll give you a very nice discount. So with that said, let's get right into it, starting with some MMA. Israel Adesanya once again proved his dominance in the middleweight division with a second-round TKO win over Paulo Acosta in the main event of UFC 253 on Saturday. I mean, I thought Adesanya w- would win, but I didn't think he would win in this kind of convincing fashion. He was in the driver's seat for the, from the very first round. Acosta showed some patience in waiting to commit to an attack, but Adesanya took advantage of that wait-and-see approach by peppering him with leg kicks. Acosta was more interesting in showboating. Um, showboating Adesanya and trying to get in his head and actually throwing punches or kicks himself. The second round featured a more aggressive Israel Adesanya, and that was all kinds of bad news for for Costa. The, the last style bender opened up, continued to mercilessly attack the lead the lead leg while also throwing head kicks. When he targeted the head with punches, Costa quickly buckled, and the champion added another, another successful title defense to his name, finishing him with the grounded pound. Um, it was. Definitely a baffling performance for Paulo Costa. I thought he would put up more of a fight considering the fact that he was an undefeated professional MMA fighter coming in. Uh, But it was definitely a great performance for Izzy. And I think people are focusing more on how bad Costa was than how good Adesanya was. Um, I mean, he's at this point, at this point, uh, I think Adesanya should be considered the second greatest middleweight of all time. And he's still in his prime, still undefeated. His record in overall com- professional combat sports, when you look at kickboxing, boxing, and MMA all together, he has an unbelievable record. I believe it's like 105 or something like that. He's already beaten Anderson Silva, who many consider the greatest middleweight of all time. Albeit it was an old, a much older version of the Spider, Robert Whitaker and Yoel Romero, Kevin, Kelvin Gastelum, among others. Um, there are some highly ranked contenders out there, but only one has the champion's eye right now. As he said, quote, there's only there's one more I'm really interested in, and that's Jared Kananir. And this is according to Thomas Gerbasi of UFC.com. Kananir himself has put together three straight wins by TKO and has a bout scheduled with former champion Robert Whitaker, who, like I said, Adesanya knocked out in October. So it looks like the winner of that fight will fight Adesanya for the belt. And... Uh, there's also been rumblings of Adesanya possibly fighting John Jones, who's been all over the place, although he hasn't fought, and I believe he's technically away from the UFC at the moment. Uh, John Jones recent, recently relinquished his light heavyweight title, but UFC president Dana White has still, still, like I said, thrown out the possibility of a fight between Bones and the last style bender, saying, quote, if you're John Jones right now, you probably sit back and watch what happens this weekend, see who wins, how they win, and maybe make them defend the title, and then you come back and try to regain it. White told TMZ Sports, um, "I believe, but I believe this. He was talking about the light heavyweight title fight between Dominic Reyes and Blazowicz. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. The Polish guy who knocked out Reyes to win the belt, or you move up to heavyweight, or if Adesanya wins this weekend, you fight Adesanya. I don't know. John Jones is in a really good position right now. So it's very interesting. It's kind of crazy. John Jones, like I said, is kind of all over the place as." 
he could fight Israel Adesanya at middleweight. He could continue like he has throughout his whole career um, at lightweight. Excuse me, at light heavyweight. And um, or I mean, people have been talking quite a bit, and there's been trash talk between John Jones and Francis and Ganu. So I mean, this guy can legitimately fight in three different weight classes right now. So it's going to be very interesting to see what John Jones will do if he uh, comes back to the UFC. Transitioning to football now, the NFL is investigating the Las Vegas Raiders for a violation of COVID-19 protocol after the team reportedly allowed an unauthorized person to enter the locker room. And obviously with how easily coronavirus spreads, this is a huge deal. ESPN's Adam Schefter reported the NFL is looking into whether a team employee who was not credentialed for Monday's game against the New Orleans Saints accessed the locker room. The league has a strict limit of 40 employees who are allowed to enter the locker room due to the current pandemic we're living in. The NFL has already fined Raiders $250,000 and coach John Gruden $100,000 for violations of the COVID protocol. Gruden was seen several times in Monday's game not wearing a mask as mandated by the league. Five different franchises received a fine for their coach not wearing um, a mask last week, and I've covered that. I believe it was Sean Payton from the Saints, Kyle Shanahan from the Niners, Sean McVay from the Rams. John Gruden said, quote, I've had the virus. I'm doing my best. I'm very sensitive about it. I'm calling plays. I just want to communicate in these situations. And if I get fined, I'll have to pay the fine. But I'm very sensitive about that. And I apologize. It's kind of funny. I mean, he's basically saying that it's tough to communicate with a mask on. Um, but the NFL has successfully navigated the pandemic through the first two weeks of the season. I guess you could say first three weeks now, as week three is about to be over later tonight. I'll cover the result of the Chiefs-Ravens marquee matchup on tomorrow's episode. Number That'll be number 297. Stay tuned for that. Um, Atlanta Falcons cornerback A.J. Terrell became the first player to place on the reserve slash COVID list on Saturday since the beginning of the 2020 season after being tested positive. It's only one positive test in the NFL, so that's uh, great news for sure. Um, with that, I'm going to transition to more football. It's, it's honestly crazy how fast it seems the Patriots Patriots found their, their future at quarterback. The Patriots, though, are reportedly unlikely to, to sign Cam Newton to a contract extension during the 2020 season. Ian Rappaport of NFL Network reported the Patriots are taking a, quote, wait-and-see approach with Newton, who has played like an MVP candidate through his first two games in New England. Newton signed a one-year contract with the Patriots in July after sitting on the open market for more than three months. His deal comes with a $1.1 million base salary and a maximum value of $7.5 million based on playing time and team success incentives. In the first two weeks of the season, um, if the two first two weeks of the season are any indication, Newton should make pretty close to the max dollar in the NFL. He's thrown for 552 yards and a touchdown against an interception, while adding 122 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns in the Patriots' one-on-one start. And I'll get into how they did in week in their week three matchup against the Broncos later in the episode. When asked about his contract this week, Newton said his focus was on winning with the Patriots now rather than the future, saying, quote, my focus is short term, and that has a lot to do with the Las Vegas Raiders, and I understand where we're trying to go, and I understand the questions that you're asking, but I'm going to say it again. That's not my focus. If that would have been my, the case, I would have did more. I would have said more. I would have waited more. It's irrelevant for me right now. It's all about winning. Like, let's get back to that. Like, we got too many people worried about chasing the bag. <laughs> it's kind of funny. If you do what you're supposed to do, everything, if you do what you're supposed to do, everything is going to take care of itself. And that, in my opinion, is the perfect attitude. If you want the money, the money is never going to come. I've learned that from very wise people in my life, from my limited experience. If you do what you're supposed to do and you enjoy what you do for a living, the money will always be there. And that is clearly the case here with Cam Newton. He is publicly telling people, telling reporters, telling people around him that he is not worried about the potential extension and how much money he's going to be offered and how much money he's going to be making. He is worried about the success of the team, the success of his teammates, the success of the Patriots organization. 
And as a result, he's going to be fully committed. And as a result of that, he's going to perform better. And as a result of that, he's going to be paid more and his extension is going to be a lot bigger than if he would have a me, me, me attitude and worry about the money. So he's helping himself and he's helping everyone else as well. So this is the perfect mindset for Cam Newton. And it's also smart on the Patriot for the from the Patriots perspective. Yes, he's looked very good, but he's been out of the, he, he he I mean, you got to give it some more time than just two games. So I think everyone here is taking it very smart. That's my opinion. Switching gears to the MLB, the Boston Red Sox are moving on from manager Ron Rowink following the conclusion of the 2020 MLB season. Uh, Chief Baseball Officer Chain Bloom confirmed the decision. Uh, Boston heads into its final game with the worst record at 23 and 36, which isn't horrible in the American League East, but like I said, they're in last place. The announcement doesn't come as a big surprise since this was always shaping up to be a transitional year for the Red Sox. Obviously, they traded Mookie Betts and David Price to the Los Angeles Dodgers um, after ownership signaled the desire to trim payroll and, you know, Chris Sale got hurt. Uh, the, the whole drama with Alex Cora from last year and the Houston Astros cheating scandal. So, I mean, Roanoke was put in a horrible spot. Um, it just obviously didn't work out and it makes sense for the Red Sox. But, yeah, I mean, there's not, not really much else to say. Transitioning back to back to football, I guess you could say this was amazing. Joe Montana and his wife Jennifer had to wrestle one of their grandchildren away from an intruder at their home on Saturday, according to TMZ Sports. Let's see. Out of curiosity, let me check out how old. First, let me actually uh, pull up the week three NFL scores that I'm going to be covering later in the episode. But also, let me check out. I apologize. I should have done this before I started the episode how old is jumbo joe he is 64 years old very impressive i am willing to bet that the kidnapper was younger than 64 years old uh the pro football hall of famer was at his house in malibu california that's about 20 minutes from from where i live when a 39 year old woman yeah i mean obviously younger than 64 entered the home through an unlocked door grabbed the baby and walked into another room montana got the child back before the intruder ran away just crazy stuff the woman was eventually arrested on kidnapping and burglary charges. Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputies happened to be in the area, allowing someone inside the home to flag them down in time to catch the woman in question. So very lucky there that deputies were in the area. If you don't know, Montana is best known for his career with the San Francisco 49ers, leading the squad to four Super Bowl titles. The two-time MVP also spent two years with the Kansas City Chiefs before retiring after the 1994 season, and he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2000. He is widely considered the greatest quarterback of all time, and this <laughs> that their grandkid didn't get kidnapped i mean it's crazy by some 39 year old woman who knows what the deal was there uh scary stuff transitioning back to the mlb the los angeles angels speaking of scary stuff <laughs> no pun intended the los angeles angels announced on sunday that they have fired general manager billy epler the angels entered the final day of the season fourth in the american league west with a 26 and 33 record even with playoff expansion and signing guys like Anthony Rendon, the Angels will miss the playoffs for the sixth straight year, with five coming under Epler's watch. The Athletics' Ken Rosenthal reported on September 21st that the Angels, quote, still appear the most likely team to dump their GM, and added that Dave Dombrowski has emerged as the success for, successor for Epler, and that would be a great hire in my opinion. Um, I mean, time and again, Dombrowski has built, a title built title contenders, almost always relying on marquee free agents, and often leveraging his organization's best prospects for ready-made talent. He was the architect for, of two World Series teams, the Florida Marlins in 1997 and the Boston Red Sox in 2018. 
and the Detroit Tigers claimed four straight division titles and two American League pennants under his watch. Um, the irony, though, is that the Angels have tried just that without Dombrowski and haven't had that success. Um, obviously, most recently, they signed free agent third baseman Anthony Rendon, yet they have only had one playoff appearance since, since a trip to the 2019, excuse me, 2009 American League Championship Series. Um, an owner who's willing to spend and Mike Trout, who's MLB's best player, should be more than enough to make the Angels an attractive job for general manager candidates and obviously being able to live in the beautiful Southern California. As the Los Angeles Times' Bill Shaken reported, however, the perception of, of, about the franchise is far different. One source told Shaken the Angels' GM gig ranks in the, quote, bottom third of the league, so it's not looking attractive for the candidates. Um, it's just surprising, though, that the Angels are as mediocre as they've ever been, despite adding Anthony Rendon and having Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, Joe Madden as their, as their on-field manager. It's just very weird to me that they just haven't improved. It's, it's... I mean, I think they would have greatly benefited. been a much better team if the trade with the Dodgers went through in the original Mookie Betts blockbuster trade. Uh, Jock Peterson and Ross Stripling, outfielder and pitcher, for those of you that don't know, would have went to the Angels. But the Angels GM, um, I believe it was, or it might have been the owner. No, it was the owner. The Angels owner was very impatient and he canceled the trade with the Dodgers because of how, how much the Red Sox were stalling with the Mookie Betts trade with the Dodgers and they were contingent upon one another. Case in point, Jock Peterson and Ross Stripling stayed with the Dodgers until a few weeks ago at the trade deadline. Stripling was traded to the Blue Jays. Point being that the Angels aren't the smartest of teams at times. Had they had Peterson and Stripling, they would have been a much better team in my opinion and it definitely would have showed in my opinion throughout the shortened season, possibly would have been able to make the playoffs although they do play in the same division as the Oakland A's and Houston Astros. But just the Angels are going to be the Angels. Switching gears to the NBA, welcome to the NBA Finals. Uh, the Miami Heat and Los Angeles Lakers will face off to determine the 2020 NBA champion. The Heat defeated the Boston Celtics on Sunday night in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals by a score of 125-113, to setting up a clash between the Heat and the superstars who brought them two titles in the decision years, obviously, LeBron James. Uh, what a nightmare this is for media personalities such as Stephen A. Smith, who do not get to enjoy traveling between L.A. and Miami and indulging in an NBA Finals matchup between uh, LeBron AD and the Lakers against Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and the Miami Heat. Um, the 2019-20 Heat definitely can't compete with the superstar power of that squad led by LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh back in the big three days of the last decade. But they sure are fun to watch playing a pass-first team offense that has worn out the Indiana Pacers. They swept those guys, beat the Milwaukee Bucks, the best team in the regular season in five games, and obviously just beat the Boston Celtics in six games. Um, Miami turned a relatively close game for the first three quarters into a rout in the fourth, outscoring Boston 37-27 to in the quarter. Miami's scrappy defense, a brilliant quarter from Bam Adebayo, who has been, arguably, obviously Jimmy Butler forgot him, who's been arguably their best player, and the team's ability to generate easy looks offensively was too much for Boston to handle. Uh, obviously, in Jimmy Butler, the Heat have a legit star. And Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero have been huge supporting casts. Jimmy led the way for the Heat with 28 points, excuse me, 22 points and 8 assists. Bam Adebayo stuffed the stat sheet once again with 32 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists, and 1 steal. Tyler Hero with 19 and 7. Andre Vidala, the old veteran who is now in his 6th straight NBA Finals uh, after being with the Warriors for several years, had 15 points. For the Celtics, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, and Marcus Smart all had 20 points or more, but Marcus Smart shot 8 of 22 from the floor and 4 of 13 from 3. That's not going to get it done. 
So there you have it. That's your NBA Finals matchup. I believe game one is on Wednesday in two days. It is the Los Angeles Lakers and the Miami Heat. Hopefully my number 17 for Kobe. Switching gears now to the NFL. Nick Foles will be in charge of hopefully leading the Chicago Bears to a 4-0 start in Sunday's game against the Indianapolis Colts. Bears head coach Matt Nagy told reporters he would be making a full-time switch from Mitchell Trubisky following Trubisky's benching on Sunday. The quarterback battle in Chicago became one of the biggest storylines surrounding the franchise when the Bears traded for Foles this offseason. It was noteworthy for a number of reasons, especially since Trubisky is playing in the final year of his contract after they traded up in the 2017 draft to select him with the number two overall pick. That obviously was a huge mistake as they could have had someone like Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson but chose Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, Trubisky won the starting job to begin the season, likely benefiting from his experience in Nagy's offense since there was a shortage of practices and team activities in the offseason because of the COVID-19 pandemic and Nick Foles likely wasn't able to get acclimated to the offense and playbook in time for the season. However, things appeared to change in week three when Nagy benched Trubisky after the Bears fell behind to the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta choked once again. They led 26-10 heading into the fourth quarter, but Foles finished 16-29 of for 188 yards three touchdowns and one pick, while leading Chicago on a 20-0 run in the fourth quarter, clinching a dramatic 30-26 win. Um, his performance would have been even better if Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller came down with potential touchdown catches. The pass to Robinson fell through his clutches into the defender's arms, which turned a touchdown pass into an interception, his only interception of the game. Uh, quote, it happened out of nowhere, Trubisky said of Bears offensive coordinator Bill Lazor telling him Foles was coming into that game. He told me Nick was up. That situation sucked. I mean, that's just what happens, Mitch. If you're bad, you're going to get benched. It doesn't matter. And it seems like the switch is permanent. And I wonder if Mitch Trubisky is going to have a spot in this league after after um, his contract with the Bears this year is up. I mean, who knows? Um, with that, I'm transitioning to more baseball. Major League Baseball's 60-game shortened season is over. The seedings are set. It's now time for baseball's first ever 16-team postseason. The playoffs could be wide open this year. The American League may come down to whether the New York Yankees hit, hit a hot streak or a cold streak during these playoffs. When the Yankees have been hot this season, they've looked like the best team in baseball with winning streaks of 6, 7, and 10 games at various points this year. They have the bats to scare anyone, no doubt, but their lows have also been very low at one point, losing 15 out of 20 games in the middle of the year. And they enter the postseason having lost six of their last eight games. Good luck figuring out. I mean, they're as streaky as it gets. Their division rivals, the Tampa Bay Rays, have been the epitome of consistency, meanwhile, and deserve their place atop the American League. They've been the best team in the American League from the start through the end of the season. An excellent bullpen, a balanced offense, and a quality rotation led by Blake Snell and Tyler Glasnow will make them a tough out. The National League, though, is all about my Los Angeles Dodgers. Every year, they're top contenders, and every year, they come up short. Is this year? Is this finally the year that they that they will win the first World Series? Their first World Series. Since 1988, they've definitely out of excuses at this point. They have the best record in baseball and the best roster in baseball. I mean, it isn't World Series or bust for the Dodgers with their core players under club control next season, but this is their NL pennant to lose, even with other dangerous teams like the Atlanta Braves and San Diego Padres coming up. So let's take a look at the matchup. We got the Astros. I'm going to give my predictions for the first round, uh, first round matchups and see how accurate this is going to be. First, we got the Astros and the Twins. These are all three-game series. Um, I got the Twins winning this one 2-0. I think Minnesota is just a better team with the Astros. The Astros won't be able to cheat, and the Twins are just better. Then we got the White Sox and the A's. This one is very interesting, and if I had to put money on it, I would say the White Sox take it in three games because, I mean, both teams are very good. I just give the White Sox the slight edge. And then we got the Blue Jays and the Rays. The Blue Jays have been hot lately, but the Rays are just a better team. I got them winning in two games. 
Here's a very interesting one. The New York Yankees and the Cleveland Indians. The Yankees have obviously been probably the streakiest team in all of baseball, and the Indians have been solid. I'm going to have to go Yankees in three. Then in the NL, we got the uh, Cincinnati Reds and the Atlanta Braves. I think Atlanta's just better. We're going to go Atlanta in two. The Miami Marlins and the Chicago Cubs, a very surprising playoff appearance for the Marlins in this shortened season. But I'm going to go with the Cubs in two on this one. Then we got the St. Louis Cardinals and the San Diego Padres. Padres are the better team. They're younger. They're, they're just better. Padres in two. And finally, we got the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, the Brewers are probably the worst team in the postseason, and the Dodgers are the best. With that, I'm going to have to pick the Dodgers. That's just um, my opinion. And um, let's see what else we got to talk about. Now I'm going to be switching gears to the NBA. This is a huge story. Um, the next looks like it's going to be another, yet another new era for the Clippers as they have fired head coach Doc Rivers. I mean, it said that they mutually agreed to part ways, but we all know that the Clippers fired Doc Rivers. Quote, Doc has been a terrific coach for the Clippers, an incredible ambassador and a pillar of strength during tumultuous times. Clippers owner Steve Ballmer said in a statement, he won a heck of a lot of games and laid a foundation for this franchise. Woj of ESPN reported that Rivers had two years remaining on his contract. Uh, among the top candidates in the marketplace are Clippers assistant Tyron Lue and former Rockets and Knicks head coach Jeff Van Gundy. The Clippers, if you don't know, finished with the second best record in the Western Conference at 49-23 during the season, but suffered a collapse for the ages in the playoffs. They threw away a 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets in the conference semifinals with their st two star players, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, combining for a total of zero points in the fourth quarter of Game 7. Some changes were to be expected. I just wasn't sure who was going to go. Uh, their flameout exposed the team's lack of scoring depth behind, like I said, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and the roster struggled to find cohesion while leaning too heavily on its talent advantage. Still, you know, placing the blame on Rivers isn't fair, in my opinion, as, you know, he's compiled a record of 356 and 208 during his seventh. Man, he's been the Clippers coach for seven years. It doesn't seem like it's been that long. Yeah, I guess he replaced Vinny Del Negro, and this is not the first time he blew a 3-1 lead with the Clippers. Um, the last time it happened was also in the semifinals. It was in 2015 against the Houston Rockets. That was with the Lob City era of Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan. So we'll see what the Clippers do now. I mean, it's it's just sad, honestly. Like I just feel bad for them to be like perfectly honest. Uh, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna take a look at my predictions from Week Three of the NFL season. See how accurate I was. So let's take a look at what I predicted. Let's see what we got. I predicted the Jaguars would beat the Titans. That was wrong. <laughs> 0 for 1. Uh, what was next? I picked the 49ers to beat the Giants. I mean, the 49 I saw a crazy... The Jets, excuse me. I saw a crazy stat. A real crazy stat. Can't believe the 49ers are, you know, won two in a row. Put up 30 points in two straight games despite pretty much missing their entire team. It's unbelievable. Then I picked the Bengals to beat the Browns. The Bengals are not 0-3, losing 35-30 to to the Browns. That was wrong. I picked the Patriots... To be, oh wait, I'm looking at the wrong week. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Oh man, so I wasn't wrong on the Bengals. They tied with the Eagles. It was a 23 to 23 tie, a very rare tie in the NFL. And yeah, the Jaguars lost to the Dolphins anyway, 31 to 13. That was in the Thursday night matchup. I believe I covered that. The Patriots beat the Raiders by 16 points, 36 to 20. Derek Carr had a great game, 24 of 32, with over 260 yards, two touchdowns, and no picks. But that was the only offense for the 
for the uh, Raiders, excuse me, but Cam Newton didn't have the best of games, but Rex Burkhead really picked him up with two rushing touchdowns. The Patriots are now 2-1. and one. Well, the Raiders fall to 2-1. and one. They're still, you know, still a great start for the Raiders, no doubt. So I got that one right. Unfortunately, I made the mistake of Atlanta of I made the mistake of picking the Atlanta Falcons to win anything. Like I said, they collapsed against the Chicago Bears and they're now 0 and 3. They're probably the best 0 and 3 team in the league with, you know, they should be at least 2 and 1 collapsing horribly to the Bears and Cowboys in back-to-back weeks and the Bears are 3 and 0. Look at that. Uh, Nick Foles, like I said, had a great game coming coming in throwing three touchdowns off the bench for the, for the Falcons. Matt Ryan was good. His team is just bad and he's probably one of the most he's one of the most underrated um quarterbacks in the NFL in a, in a in a really anticipated matchup the 3 the the 3 and 0 excuse me the 2 and 0 Rams played the 2 and 0 Bills and the Bills in at home edged out the Rams 35 to 32 the Bills were up 28 to 23 and the Rams took the lead late in the fourth quarter and the Rams did have some help from the referees in their comeback with uh with a play being ruled an interception instead of a catch for the Bills so I can't complain as to pass interference pass interference being called on fourth down on the Bills game-winning drive that had it not been called and it shouldn't have been called, the Rams would have won the game and proved to 3-0. and So, you know, it goes both ways. The Bills deserve to win the game. The Rams are now 2-1. and The Bills are 3-0. and Jared Goff was great, 23 of 32, 321 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. And Josh Allen was, I mean, he's putting the league on notice for sure. 24 of 33, 311 yards, four passing touchdowns, one interception, and a rushing touchdown. Um, so great game for Josh Allen. So I got this one wrong. I thought the Rams would win perhaps some bias there and i picked the steelers to beat the texans 28 to 21 and they did they're now three and oh while the texans a, a perennial playoff contender are zero and three deshaun watson had a great game uh ben roethlisberger had a great game james connor had a rushing touchdown and the steelers won a close one then i picked the tennessee titans to beat the minnesota vikings because the vikings had a horrible performance from Kirk cousins the week before in week two and the titans barely got the job done 31 to 30 the titans are now three and oh can't say I'm surprised, though, because they made the AFC Championship game last year, while the Vikings, I can say, I'm very surprised, they're 0-3. How about the Titans putting up 31 points despite no passing touchdowns from Ryan Tannehill? Derrick Henry rushed for two, and the rest were um, from their kicker, I guess. Yeah, they got 19 points from their kicker. That's that's huge. No, no points from Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback, but still putting up 31 points, and Kirk Cousins... Had a much better game, still pretty inconsistent, but he was much better with 16 of 27, over 250 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. The Vikings, though, are 0-3. That's that's definitely surprising. Then I picked the Chargers to beat the Panthers, and, I mean, my logic was that they should have beat the Kansas City Chiefs the week before, but now they lose to a bad Carolina Panthers team, so I'm definitely much worse here in predictions for Week 3. Uh, the Chargers are now 1-2, and two, and the Panthers improved to 1-2, and two for the but for the Panthers, Teddy Bridgewater only threw one touchdown, the rest, I guess, came from their kicker. I mean, Justin, man, that, Justin Herbert. I mean, he was he threw too much. I mean, he threw forty nine passes, completing thirty five of them for over for three hundred thirty yards, a touchdown, and a pick. But they have Austin Eckler as a running back, and he only got twelve carries. He did score a touchdown, averaging about five yards a carry. But why are you making Justin Herbert throw fifty passes in a game when you have Austin Eckler to run the ball to once in a while? It doesn't make much sense to me. Then in a big game, the Seattle Seahawks improved to 3-0 and uh, dis- uh, behind um, five passing touchdowns from Russell Wilson. They beat the Cowboys 38-31. to Like I said, they're 3-0 while the Cowboys are 1-2. and The Cowboys could easily be 3-0, and losing close games to the Rams and Seahawks. Russell Wilson, I mean, he's cementing his MVP case already. 27-40 of with 315 yards, five touchdowns, and no interceptions. 
sensational. He's had back-to-back games with five passing touchdowns. Dak Prescott was great too, but he used 37 to 57, throwing almost 60 passes with 472 yards, but he was less consistent, throwing two interceptions and three passing touchdowns. Next up, so I got that one correct. Man, in a very surprising result, the Detroit Lions get their first win of the year, beating the Arizona Cardinals on the road 26 to 23. I got that one wrong. The Lions are not one and two, while the Cardinals are two and one. Matthew Stafford had a great game, and Kyler Murray did not have a great game. He had a so he had a not very good game. He was great. He was very, I mean, he wasn't accurate, but he completed a lot of passes. He had almost 300 yards. He threw two touchdowns, but he threw three interceptions, and that's what did him and the Cardinals in. But I think they'll bounce back. Next up, I picked the Buccaneers to beat the Broncos, and they did 28-10. They're now 2-1, and one, while the Broncos are 0-3. Tom Brady had a great game, throwing for throwing three yards shy of 300 with three touchdowns and no interceptions, and the passing woes for the Broncos continued. They don't know what to do at the quarterback position, and it shows... Then I picked the Saints to beat the Packers, but the Packers got the job done 37-30 to in the primetime game on NBC last night. Packers are now 3-0 while the Saints are 1-2. I uh, forgot who the Saints lost to before. I, mean, I know they beat the Buccaneers. Who they lose to in Week 2? I can't remember. Aaron Rodgers was Aaron Rodgers with almost 300 yards, three touchdowns and no interceptions. Drew Brees, much of the same. Almost 300 yards, three touchdowns and no interceptions. Uh, lots of firepower uh, in terms of offense between these two teams. And... Lastly, I picked the Baltimore Ravens to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And at the time of this recording, it is 6.19 p.m. Pacific time here in Los Angeles, California. It is 20 to 10 Chiefs with 6 minutes and 40 seconds to go in the second quarter. Thank you so much for listening to this, this episode of the Sean Sports Podcast. This was number 296, and I'll see you guys on the next one.